Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekrapman. My name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. David, I have a question for you. We're just starting off the questions this morning. No, this is not a theological question. It's no, 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 no niceties. I'm curious about something. Do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Of course I celebrate Thanksgiving. Really? Even here in Israel? Yes. Might not always be with a turkey. Oh, so what does it mean to celebrate Thanksgiving? What does that mean? For me, it's to thank God for the United States and for the opportunity for the Jewish people to be in a land that represents biblical values, that represents freedom and liberty, all coming from the Hebrew Bible, that the Jewish people had a place to go when we were closed out from other places in the earth. For that, I am thankful. I agree completely. We celebrate Thanksgiving in my house, not necessarily on the day of Thanksgiving, which is a Thursday, obviously, as everybody listening knows, but the Shabbat immediately afterwards, two days later, we always have a tradition to have a turkey, and we invite a family over, and we have cranberry sauce and do the whole Thanksgiving thing, but we do it on Shabbat, the Shabbat of Thanksgiving, and for the exact same reason that you just said. To me, the existence of the United States of America is a divine gift to the world in general and to the Jewish people in particular, a country that for the first time in recorded history actually treated the Jews with kindness, gave them a place to go, and not insignificantly, recognized the state of Israel and has been its most steadfast supporter through thick and thin for the past 70 years. That is a gift that we must thank God for and when better than on Thanksgiving, which is designed for exactly that. Is this our pre-Thanksgiving episode? No, we've got a little time to go. But I like talking about Thanksgiving because, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, I like pumpkin coffee, and it's all part of that Thanksgiving feel. So I'm getting in the mood. The holiday spirit. The holiday spirit, exactly. So here we are in November getting ready for Thanksgiving, but at the same time, I left off with a cliffhanger of sorts. I asked you, David, if it's true, as you suggested— And as you showed from the text, it's very likely that the people themselves were not responsible for the golden calf, but instead it was the mixed multitude of pagans who joined them, and only 3,000 people really were guilty. Then why is the golden calf the epitome of the sin of Israel? You're claiming, with good reason, that Israel wasn't really so involved in it. And I'm going to amplify your question against me, Oh, great. Okay. Okay, I'm going to help you a little bit. All right. In verse 6, in chapter 32, in the book of Exodus, it says, On the next day they arose early, offered up burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. I'm going to stop, take a breath. The reason why they're doing this is because Aaron declared a holiday to God. So what's a way to celebrate the holiday? You have to bring sacrifices. That makes sense. Now I took a breath. I'm explaining that. I'm continuing with the Am, the people, sat down to eat and to drink, and they got up to make merry. Who sat down? And I'm going to argue it was the people who originally came up with the idea of the multitude of nations, meaning the Egyptians that saw the glory of God in Egypt and attached themselves to the nation of Israel and went out with them from Egypt. So what you're saying is that the first half of the verse refers to what seemingly was a perfectly normal religious practice dedicated to God. Admittedly, there was an idol there, 
but it was really dedicated to God. So it wasn't necessarily the worst thing, at least it doesn't seem like it. The second half of the verse, where they were having this idolatrous orgy, as we described it in previous episodes, that, you're saying, wasn't even the Jews. That was the mixed multitude. So once again, the Jews were not involved in the bad stuff, or at least not in the really bad stuff. So Scott, since I'm helping you to put me in the corner, can you help me to take me out from the corner? You tell me what you want me to do, and I'll try and take you out. I will give you a hand. I'll do anything I can to get you out, but you kind of stepped in it this time, David. I did. I stepped into it. But I would argue and say that the reason why the nation of Israel is now responsible for what's going on, and they're getting the wrath of God, is because they're allowing this to happen, and they didn't stop it. The entire time they're allowing all of this pressure against Aaron, who's also their leader, and allowing the episode to continue and to devolve in this. And when they see all of this, they don't go ahead and stop what's happening. They're observing it. And in Judaism, you can't be standing by passively when you see sin around you. There's a concept in Jewish thought, which in Hebrew is called kol Yisrael arevim zebazeh, which means every member of the Jewish people is literally a guarantor for every other member, almost as if I say that if he does something wrong, I'm responsible. That's fair because we're all connected to each other. And we all have to look at each other and say, what you do is really what I'm doing. What I'm doing is really what you're doing. We're all part of the same group. If I refuse to stop somebody who's doing something wrong, in the most extreme case, if I see somebody going to murder somebody else, my job, my obligation is not to stand idly by the blood of my neighbor, but to actively go in any way I can stop the person from committing this heinous act. I'm even saying something further than that. That's not only within the Jewish people that are responsible for the other Jew, which that's a concept in Judaism. We're all responsible as Jews collectively. That's why we don't think of ourselves as an individual Jew. We are one person. Every Jew represents a different vein, organ, whatever it is. It's the body of Israel. I'm saying even further than that. Those who have attached themselves to Israel, we also have a responsibility. That means we have a responsibility and mission to the world. And when the world is not acknowledging God and devolving into idolatrous practices and immorality, we have a responsibility to say something about it and do something about it and not to stand by. In that sense, I can understand better why this sin was so heinous, because it actually represents the undermining of our specific mission. The single greatest mission of the Jewish people is to bring the love and unity of God to the whole world, to demonstrate by our actions that God is one, that God is concerned about us, that God is involved in our world and in our lives. And allowing this action to happen within the camp of Israel after the Sinaitic revelation and undermining Moses' leadership at the same time, then we become responsible as well. And we're showing that we're absolutely not doing the single most important thing that we were commissioned to do by God himself. Very impressive, David. You got out of that corner very nicely. My name is David Nekrotman. And my name is Scott Kahn. Breathing easily right now. (laughs) Blessings from Jerusalem.